TII Item 327, November 13th, 2014. iOS 8.1.1 Beta 1. Welcome to Today in iPhone. Yeah, I like it a lot. Today in iPhone. Hey, Gullah! Oh, yeah. My beautiful iPhone, which I never have out of my hand and that I do everything with and has become an extension of who I am. This episode of Today in iOS is brought to you by lynda.com. Learn the top software, creative, and business skills from easy-to-follow video tutorials at lynda.com. To start your free 10-day trial, visit lynda.com slash TII. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Rob, and this is the Today in iOS podcast. First up, I want to thank Jeff for sending the music here in the background. Jeff wrote, Hi, Rob, made this song called Ode to a Sign with my iPhone 4S using GarageBand app free downloads and more music follow me at jeffj6 on twitter regards jeffj well thank you jeff for the music and folks i'll put the full song at the end of the episode also want to thank zachary for sending in the artwork for today's show zachary wrote hi rob i used the main ios 8 wallpaper and added text to it using the app instasize regards zachary s well zachary thanks for sending in this artwork and folks, you can see Zachary's artwork in the free TI app via the bonus button for episode 327, or if you subscribe via iTunes on your computer as the album artwork, and also as a standalone post in the VIP section and at facebook.com slash todayios. If you have some artwork and or music you have created on an iOS device that you would like to share with the audience, please email it to me at todayios at gmail.com. And please make sure to include which app or apps you use to create said artwork and or music. In this segment of How Wrong Were They, we have the following quote. Quote, Here are four reasons why I don't think Apple stock will see $700 again. One, growth in phones is slowing as competition increases. Two, margins are shrinking. Three, Apple is losing its innovative edge. Four, Apple may no longer be a growth story. Howard Gold, Market Watch, 1st of February, 2013. If you adjust for the split, Apple's stock has seen a price of over $780 this past week. Just saying. For promo codes on episode 326, we offered up chances to win promo codes for the apps Notify and Slenderman Origins 2. We'll be giving those out later this week. For more info on these apps, go back and listen to the beginning of episode 326. This week, we have promo codes for the iBook called Letting the Butterflies Go. Here's a written review from the author. Hi, I just released a comic book memoir to the iBook store in which all the drawings were created on the iPad. I spent the last three years working full-time on the project, importing the digital drawings into Adobe InDesign to create the layouts. The book is called Letting the Butterflies Go and is in two volumes, volume one called Pandora and is 220 pages. Volume two will be released shortly and is just over 200 pages. Both are in full color. Letting the Butterflies Go depicts my memories, some bright, some gray, some very dark. The lavishly illustrated book immerses the reader in an intense experience not soon forgotten. Regards, MMJ. Well, thanks to MMJ for her review of her iBook, Letting the Butterflies Go, and for sending in the promo codes to give away. Folks, if you would like a chance for a promo code for this iBook, send an email to todayinios at gmail.com and put butterfly in the subject line. A quick reminder, if you are an app developer or an iBook author, email me if you want your app or iBook featured in the promo giveaway segment. We just need the five promo codes or more to give away. 
simply email me at todayinios at gmail.com. Please include a 60-second or less audio review of your app or iBook, indicating you are the dev or author. Also, when you send in the promo codes, please make sure to let me know when they expire. So Apple had a couple of malware Trojan issues that made the news the past two weeks. The first one broke was about malware called Wire Lurker. That's one word, Wire Lurker. That a whole bunch of sites jumped up and down about saying, here is malware for iOS and making it sound like almost the end of the world for iOS. Really, any article you read or may read about Wire Lurker that makes it out to be a real threat, it's just completely link baiting. Who was affected or those that were affected by this are in China and they were ex- accessing apps via third-party app stores for the Mac and downloading what they knew to be pirated software of popular titles for the Mac. Then once installed, it would wait until you connected an iOS device via the USB cable, and then it would attack your iOS device, hence the name Wire Lurker. If it was jailbroken, it was able to install a bunch of stuff. If you were not jailbroken, it could do just a little bit. But the long of the short, if you were downloading pirated software for your Mac from a third-party app store in China and you got infected, good, you deserve to. And shame on you for downloading pirated software. This really is a non-issue, and Apple actually responded quickly to this quote issue, unquote, saying the following, quote, We are aware of the malicious software available from a download site aimed at users in China and we've blocked the identified apps to prevent them from launching. As always, we recommend that users download and install software from trusted sources. Unquote. Anyone affected by this and looking to me for sympathy? Yeah, keep on looking. This is one of those things you had to try really, really hard to get infected by. The second security issue to make news is actually one you need to be aware of, and is the one that really is an issue or a potential issue. If you think it is strange these two stories broke pretty much around the same time, the second story broke because the company, FireEye, that discovered it back in July and reported it to Apple was sitting on it, or sitting on the story, that is. And then when they saw the PR and buzz that was being generated by Wirelurker, they got jealous and did their own release. I kid you not. Here's what they had to say when they wrote the blog post. Quote, we have notified Apple about this vulnerability on July 26th. Recently, Claude Zio discovered the Wirelooker malware, unquote. Yes, they mentioned the other exploit in their post that said Apple has multiple iOS releases since July and should have addressed this issue. So what is it that FireEye discovered? Well, they call it mask attack or mask attacks. Essentially, here is how it works. The forces of evil will send out a link saying, hey, you need to update some popular app. And you follow that link to a site they set up, and then using the enterprise ad hoc provisioning, they can replace any app on your iOS device. And it usually is not the one they said they were updating. For example, it may say upgrade... Flappy Birds, and when you go to do the upgrade, it is the Gmail app or a banking app that gets upgraded. This can affect any non-native app 
on your iOS device. The issue exists because iOS 7.1.1 and later does not enforce matching certificates for apps. So basically what happens is the evil folks replace a good app with one that is malware infested and can be used to collect data from your device. Even making the UI look pretty much identical, which clearly is not good for any apps that deal with your banking information. So how do you keep from being a victim of this attack? Well, according to FireEye, quote, iOS users can protect themselves from mask attacks by the following three steps. One, don't install apps from third-party sources other than the Apple's official app store or the user's own organization. Two, don't click install on a pop-up from a third-party web page. No matter what that pop-up says about the app, the pop-up can show attractive app titles crafted by the attacker that have nothing to do with the app they're really updating. Three, when opening an app, if iOS shows an alert with, quote, untrusted app developer, unquote, click on don't trust and uninstall the app immediately, unquote. This one I consider an issue as it can trick innocent users into upgrading. Most of you listening would likely have figured something bad was going on, but my mom or my wife, not so much. Of course, I may, I may be making more out of this issue than there really is. The folks at Engadget had the following to say, quote, we've reached out to Apple for its response to the flaw. Whatever its solution may be, the practical threat to your iOS gear is relatively low. Perpetrators effectively have to hit the jackpot. They not only need the privileges to install an untrusted app over the web, but your explicit permission, Apple can also disable enterprise apps by revoking certificates, so outbreaks are likely to be limited. You still want to execute caution, but you'll likely be fine so long as you stick to downloading from the App Store, unquote. But now that it's public knowledge and the details are out on how it works, expect the forces of evil to quickly, or at least other forces of evil, to quickly work to get out more of these targeted attacks not sure what Apple was waiting for on this one, but hopefully iOS 8.1.1 has a fix for it and it's released ASAP. Into the email peg. Hi Rob, I updated my iPad 2 and iPhone 5S to iOS 8 as soon as it was released. The iPhone runs fine, but the operation of my iPad has become strange. Operation is sometimes halty while trying to open apps or attempt to navigate screens. Prime example is when I try to open Angry Birds Rio, when the screen goes black, and I usually have to reboot my iPad to try again. During that reboot, my lock screen seems to hang into black momentarily too. What is going on? Is there a fix? Ed K. Columbus, Ohio. Well, Ed, that leads us to the next story that's from Michael and from quite a few others, which is that Apple has already done a beta release to the devs for iOS 8.1.1. Now, it looks like the beta release is no longer available from the iTunes Dev Center, and that looks to have gone away just about the same time as the news broke about the mask attack vulnerability. That could be a coincidence, and iOS 8.1.1 will be released this week or next, or it could mean Apple said, oh no, and pulled it back to add in a patch for the mask attack. 
one of the main things 8.1.1 beta said it addressed it was performance improvements for the iPad 2 and iPhone 4S. Hopefully more on this story shortly. And really don't be surprised if iOS 8.1.1 is out by the time you hear this episode. Also, don't be surprised if it's not. And it was pulled back uh, to attack the mask attack. Obviously, I'm hoping for the latter. Also, one thing 8.1.1 is also supposed to fix is the vulnerability used in the latest Pangu jailbreak. Uh, If you want a jailbreak, update to 8.1 ASAP and do not update to 8.1.1 when available. We'll talk about that more later in the show. Thanks again to Linda for sponsoring this episode. If you go to lynda.com slash TII, that is L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash TII, you'll get a free 10-day trial to their service. Yes, you heard that right. The free trial is now 10 days instead of just seven. Sign up on a Friday evening. You get that whole weekend and the following week and then the whole following weekend as well. You can go through a lot of video tutorials in 10 days and Linda offers over 2,000 high-quality video courses taught by industry experts. This is an all-you-can-eat for $25 a month subscription service with the best and highest quality video tutorials to teach you how to do everything you need to know to get ahead in your business or take better photos or learn how to get started in a new business or venture, like, say, learning how to program in an iOS app or to just beef up your current knowledge in one area of programming. One thing I always look forward to each week is the email from Linda listing some of the new tutorials available. This week, the one that jumped out at me is Drawing on the iPad with Adobe Sketch by Tony Hammer. This is a one-hour, 11-minute video tutorial to help you learn the ins and outs of Adobe Sketch, how to pick a good stylus, creating projects, adding reference images, and more. Uh, The one me and my son are currently watching is iOS app development with Swift Essential Training. It is five hours and 48 minutes of video tutorials on building iOS 8 apps with Swift. Of course, there are many, many other video tutorials covering any major software or business skill you need to learn. Linda is an all-you-can-eat monthly service. Watch anytime and as often as you like from your computer or iOS device. Yes, you can watch these on the go. And you don't need to take my word for the breadth and quality of their video tutorials and their service. You can just check them out right now for yourself for free for 10 days by going to lynda.com slash TII. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash TII. And you can check out the tutorials I just mentioned, plus many more for the next 10 days. Thanks, Linda, for sponsoring this episode. Hi, Rob. This is Ron Leck for Hubbard, Ohio. I have an answer for Jonah also. Um, I know you had your answer with uh, vBrowse, but I've been using for quite a few years now a program called Photon. There's also a companion uh, browser for, uh, or should I say, uh, a video player that goes with it as well. But uh, Photon has been on the market for quite a while, and I've been using it, and it works fine with iOS 8.1. What they do is the... uh, Flash Player is done off-site. It is not done in your iPhone or iPod Touch, in my case, or an iPad. Uh, it is done. Uh, is the flash processing is done off-site uh, at their own computers. 
If I'm right, the uh, program cost uh, $9.99 at the time I bought it several years ago. Okay, now it's probably uh, 20, early 2012. Okay, thanks. Bye-bye. Ron, thanks for the feedback on Photon. Into the email bag. Hey, Rob, here's a good tip for finding places that will accept Apple Pay. There's a free app in the App Store called MasterCard Nearby. You can use it to show retailers that have contactless payment, which Apple Pay works with. It may not be all-inclusive, but a good approximation. Regards, Lou V. Lou, thanks for the heads up on MasterCard Nearby. Back to the email bag. Hi, Rob. On episode 326, a caller mentioned having limited iCloud storage and not being able to back up. There are a couple of things I would mention. First, under iCloud Storage, Manage Storage, you can choose what gets backed up on the device. Maybe turn off some of the apps uh, that store data that you don't need backed up. Second, make sure you don't have backups lingering for devices you no longer own or have renamed. Those iCloud backups remain until you delete them. Third, photos and video generally take up the majority of the space for me. If you are using iCloud Drive, that space is shared among all your devices. Your photo library won't back up per device anymore because of all of your photos are already in iCloud and on all your devices. My backups went from 5 to 6 gig to well under 2 gig uh, per device when I enabled iCloud Drive. My iPhones back up about 700 meg now, and the iPads are about 1.5 gig. I have a 12 gig photo library using optimized storage. Even with all photos and videos on all devices now, iCloud Drive uses less data per device than photo library did. Regards, Myron Yu. Well, thank you, Myron. Hi, Rob. Uh, just wanted to chime in on the person that's having the issue with the Apple Store and FaceTime. Maybe they want to try and log into a Apple Store that's outside the country, like the U.S., and they might be able to download it that way. Thank you. This is Ozzy from Miami. Thanks, Ozzy. We are now well over 1,600 members in our Google Plus community and growing. Thanks to everyone that has joined, and thanks for the great posts. One new post in the Google Plus community with lots of comments that went up since the last episode came out is from Myron Euchre, who asked the following, quote, am I the only one finding swipe to be slower than just typing? Whenever I use swipe, I have to think about the word in advance. It seems to come more natural when I'm typing the words out. Of course, I generally just use two hands, and I think swipe is better for single-handed use when once, once you master it, unquote. There were a bunch of responses most were in agreement with Myron's comments. A couple said they like Swipe, but there is a learning curve. Uh, most people seem to prefer Apple's native keyboard over Swipe. There was also a vote in there for Flesky. Long of the short, it sounds like there is a learning curve with, for Swipe, and you need to commit to it for a couple of weeks to get through that learning curve. That's a pretty big request of users. Maybe uh, the key reason it's so popular on Android is that the native keyboard on Android is not as good. Uh, and on iOS, uh, with the new predictive keyboard, the difference between it and Swipe is not that big. And Swipe has a bigger learning curve. Thanks to all that responded on that one. And since the last episode, 
There were also dozens and dozens of other new posts in the TII Google Plus community, which is an Android boys free zone and a spammer free zone. Yep, it is the most civil Google Plus community covering iOS. Folks, go to today and iOS.com slash community to join in. And thanks to all 1,600 plus of you already in the community and contributing. If you are an app dev and your current app you are working on does not use the iOS 8 SDK and support 64-bit, it will need to if you plan on submitting it to iTunes anytime February 1st or later. Similar to last year when they made you go with the iOS 7 SDK, uh, this time they're making you go with iOS 8 SDK. And so that's really not news, but this time they're also saying no more 32-bit only apps for review. They must be universal. Again, this is for submitting to review of new apps or versions of current apps. This will not affect those apps already in the store. Even if you don't plan on releasing a new version of your app anytime soon, it's probably still a good idea to update it to iOS 8 slash universal build. That way, if you have to release an update to fix some unknown bug, you're ready to go and not scrambling. From Michael, quote, the iPad Air 2 has two Michaels and they're so close to each other by the same corner. How come no one is talking about that and why did they ditch the switch? Unquote. Well, Michael, I would guess the ditching of the Switch is just an iPad thing. Uh, for iPhones, I fully expect the Switch to be around for quite some time, as the phrase, please silent your phones, is not going away anytime soon, and having a Switch to quickly mute or silence your phone uh, is a big deal, uh, especially if it was removed. However, removing the Switch on your iPad, yeah, almost no one complained about that. Per the mic calls, no idea why they are so close. My son asked me the same thing uh, when I was talking about this question. But there are also mic holes, uh, two of them near the camera as well, one on the side and one right next to the camera. So lots of mic orifices to go around on the iPad Air 2. Actually, now that I think of it, and I'm sure someone was already emailing me or already has, uh, I'm guessing the two holes, one is for you to talk and the other one is for noise cancellation. Oh, goody, more dirt in the GTAT bankruptcy hearing. GTAT is claiming, quote, with a classic bait-and-switch strategy, Apple presented GTAT with an onerous and massively one-sided deal in the fall of 2013, when GTAT's management expressed obvious concerns to Apple regarding the deal terms during the contract negotiations Apple responded that similar terms are required for other Apple suppliers and that GTAT should, quote, put on your big boy pants and accept the agreement, unquote, unquote. Okay, not sure what rule number of business negotiation it is, but when someone tells you to put on your big boy pants and accept the deal, the appropriate reply is to flip them the bird and stop the negotiations. Of course, Apple countered, saying that it, quote, committed to put up risk up to $2 billion in connection with this project, unquote. Apple went on to say that it bent over backwards to work with GTAT. Apple even made payments when GTAT failed to meet deadlines. Oh, this story is going to provide great sound bites for months and months, if not years to come. And speaking of GTAT, file this next story under... 
wow, never saw that one coming category. And it is that the SEC is investigating GTAT's execs for suspicious trading activity. As we said previously on the show, we are not saying those stock dumps leading up to Apple's September 9th announcement by the CEO and CEO of GTAT were insider trading. But they were insiders, and they were trading. That the SEC is investigating this is really a shocker for no one. The only shocker in this case is if the SEC finds they did nothing wrong, and it was simply a coincidence that they dumped all their stock right before it became public that Apple was not going to use their product on the iPhone, which would then ultimately lead to their needing to file for bankruptcy. Nope, not saying it was insider trading. That's for the SEC to decide. I have not talked much about the Apple Watch of late, or really hardly at all, or any for that matter. And for good reason. Most of the rumors are really speculation at best, and some of the latest rumors of speculation is that the Apple Watch was meant to be available on or before February 14th, for obvious reasons. If you don't know what that reason is, yeah, make sure to get your cat another play toy for when you are hanging out together Friday night. But now the latest rumor is that's been pushed out to a mid to late spring, mostly due to issues around getting Sapphire for screens. Another rumor is that the top of the top end Apple Watch will run you four to five K. That's right, four to five thousand dollars for the top end of the Apple Watch. That's the gold colored one, or not gold colored one, the gold one. It's real gold. Thanks to Dr. John for this next one. Are you starting to look for the perfect gift for yourself or someone you know that drives a lot? But a new car is out of the question? Well, Pioneer released Apple CarPlay for U.S. and European vehicle dashboards. Pioneer actually released a firmware update for five units that they already had in the market, the NEX line. So you might already have it if you already have an NEX line and you've updated. If you don't have one, then for anywhere between $700 and $1,400, you can get one for your car. If you're in Europe, the product line is not called NEX, but rather AVIC or AVH series. To see the specific ones, look for the link in the show notes titled Pioneer Releases Apple CarPlay for episode 327. If anyone has purchased this or updated the firmware to get CarPlay, please call in with a review. As always, you can give us a call, 206-666-6364, that's 206-MOONDOG, or you can email us today in iOS at gmail.com. Show me the market share. Oh, what a great line that was from Jerry Maguire, along with, you had me at the classic ringtone. Well, I think show me the market share was the quote, because that is all I'm hearing from the Android fanboys of late with strategy analytics reporting that Android captured 84% of the global smartphone shipments in Q3 2014. Apple was second with 12.3%. What else did strategy analytics say? Well, there was this quote. Quote, The Android platform is getting overcrowded with hundreds of hardware brands, Android smartphone prices are falling worldwide, and few Android device vendors make profits. Unquote. Show me the market share, baby. Oh, if you are curious about where the money is, well, that is mostly over on Apple's side. Latest estimates have Apple well over 75% of total profits of global smartphones. 
Basically, Apple's profit share is pretty close to what Android's market share is, percentage-wise. Which one would you rather have? I love this next story that many of you sent in. Seems on election night in the U.S., Microsoft worked really hard to get product placement of their Surface tablets, especially on CNN. And you would see all the Surface tablets up there on the desks with their kickstands propped out. What some eagle-eye viewers also saw was one of the CNN hosts using the Surface tablet to prop up her iPad. Another shot showed a different host with his iPad laying in front of the Surface. Oh! So all that product placement mojo, well, it turned into Mojo Jojo. As the days that followed the election, pictures started popping up everywhere and a bunch of articles made their way around the interwebs showing people using their iPads leaned up or one host using her iPad leaned up against the surface. Pretty funny. Hi, Rob. This is Rob in Tacoma. I'm calling regarding the freezing problem you spoke of uh, on the iPhone 6 Plus. Um, I've had my 6 Plus now for almost a month, and I would say that it freezes daily. I do have the uh, 128 gig model in yellow, or excuse me, in gold. I don't know if that matters one way or the other, but what happens is I get a white screen typically, um, and it doesn't matter. Uh, there's not any particular function that I'm doing. It happens maybe once a day, and the, the white screen goes off, and then uh, it goes back to the home screen. And whatever I was doing in that app, uh, I have to double-click the home button and then go back into the app, and usually it's right where I left off. So it's only a minor annoyance at this point. However, uh, just the other day I was watching a YouTube video, and the entire phone just froze right on a frame of the video when it was in full screen, uh, which was kind of strange. And there was no amount of buttons or combination of buttons that I could get to get it back to the home screen and force quit the app or do anything. So my only recourse, the only thing that actually worked to get out of that frozen screen was to restart the phone. I'll be listening intently to the next episode to hear feedback from other users in order to determine if it's a software or hardware problem. Uh, be very curious on this issue. Thanks for all you do. Goodbye. Well, Rob, thank you for your feedback. And I guess this is not an issue to most people because I didn't hear back from really anyone else saying that they are having the issue that you're having. I am not having the issue. My phone, my iPhone 6 Plus, 128 gig, is working fine. Sure, every now and then an app may quit out, but it's not every day and it's not where it's locking the device up and it's not what's being reported by some others. So at least I'm not hearing back from uh, any other users other than yourself, Rob, that you're having this problem. But again, if anyone else does have a 6 plus 128 gig and you are having issues with your device locking up, let us know. You can call into the show, 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOON-DOG. Or you can send an email to todayinios at gmail.com. Hi, Rob. This is Michael from Ann Arbor. Say, I have an iPhone 6 Plus, and uh, I love it. haven't had any real issues until what I have discovered recently, which is when I was using the Night Sky app and trying to look at some of the constellations, I noticed the compass was inaccurately portraying the direction I was holding the phone. So I went to the Compass app, and it said to calibrate. It uh, went straight to calibration mode, and 
I rotated the phone to try to calibrate it, and it wouldn't calibrate. It was like it was completely locked up. So I did some research, and it appears that some other people are seeing this problem as well. With recent posts on the Apple Support Community website, um, and there's no real answer yet that I have been able to find. So I thought I'd ask your listeners or you. So let me know if you know anything about this. Thanks. Bye-bye. Mike, thanks for the feedback. You are the first one to contact me about that issue. If anyone else is having issues with their iPhone 6 Plus and the uh, compass and not calibrating and locking up, please let us know. Give us a call. Shoot us an email. Into the email bag. Hi, Rob. I love the TI app. My first iPhone was the 5 in September 2012. Now the iPhone 6 Plus 16 gig is what I'm using. Listening to the old episodes is like having a time machine. I just found your podcast a few months ago. I wish I could go back in time and get the iPhone 1 when it was released. Tortured myself with an HTC Evo from 2010 to 2012. Regards, Greg M. Well, thanks, Greg, for the feedback. And folks, do go back and check out some of the older episodes. And an easy way to do that is check them out through the TII app. It's kind of fun to go back and listen to how things were and what we were talking about as the major issues back in 2007, 2008. Hi, Rob. We will be traveling over Thanksgiving to a place in which there is neither Wi-Fi nor Internet access. Is there any device which will create a little Wi-Fi so devices can be used without eating a lot of data, or is this pie in the sky? Regards, Jan B. Well, Jan, there's lots of devices. You can go out and get any of these uh, Wi-Fi hotspots that connect via 3G or, or LTE. You can get them. We've talked about Freedom Pop before, but you can also get them from Sprint, and, and any of the major carriers have uh, these cellular Wi-Fi hotspots. Per them not eating a lot of data, that's going to depend on what you guys are doing. If you're watching Netflix or doing other video-intensive objects or activities, then, yeah, it's pie in the sky to think that you're not going to chew through a lot of bandwidth. But there are plenty of devices out there that will allow you to do the Wi-Fi hotspots. If you're on T-Mobile, you actually get 5 gig of Wi-Fi hotspotting with your plan each month. Hey, Rob. It's uh, Carl over in West Michigan. Hey, man. Got a question about third-party keyboards in iOS 8.1. I'm running a 8.1 on a third-gen iPad, and they fixed a lot of third-party third keyboard issues I was having with 8.0, which is great. The one thing I'm finding, though, that's missing in all the third-party keyboards is the microphone button. And I use, um, I use that a lot to uh, dictate instead of typing out messages. And I'm curious if you know of any way of getting that microphone to show up with third-party keyboards or if there is some type of shortcut or workaround for that. I'm using Flexi and I've tried, I think it's Swift Key. And although I really like these keyboards, I don't like using them without having access to that microphone button for dictation. So any help would be much appreciated. Thanks. Take care. Bye. Carl, thanks for the question, and that's a good one. Does anyone know of any third-party keyboards that have the microphone for voice dictation? If you do, give us a call, 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOONDOG. Or shoot an email to todayinios at gmail.com. Hi, Rob. Sauce Digital just launched a Kickstarter campaign to crowdfund the production of Spirit Box, an iOS app for creating games on iPhone and iPad without code. 
Spirit Box aims to put games creation at the fingertips of everyone. Best regards, Morgan Davies, director of Sauce Digital. And if you search in Kickstarter for a Sprite Box, one word, you will find this project, which has until December 3rd at 11.25 a.m. CT, uh, Central Time, to get funded, which sadly, it does not look like it will, as they have a goal of 45,000 pounds, and to date, they have raised less than 1,000 pounds. It is sad, as it looked like a nice app slash tool for developing games. Their description of their project is the following, quote, Sprite Box is a mobile gaming ecosystem for creating and playing games that will, with your help, will launch on iPhone and iPad. The foundation of Sprite Box is a mobile app that provides a system for creating great games on your mobile device with zero code, a community for sharing your games with, a platform for playing all the games created by the community, a system for creating gate games on your mobile device with zero code, unquote. I will not go over the awards or pricing, as again, this one is not likely to happen, but if you are interested in this, I would suggest you go and fund it now and start spreading the word. Search for Spritebox, one word, at kickstarter.com. Thanks to Michael for this next one, which is yet another iPhone case, this time for the iPhone 6 and 6 Plus. It is called the Acme Made Charge Case. It had a very modest goal of $5,000, and they have well over $6,000 pledged, so this one is a go. You have until December 8th at 5.05 a.m. Central Time to fund it. What is it about this case that is, has a point of differentiation? Well, it stores a lightning to USB cable in the back of the case behind the kickstand. So it is a thin case with a nice charge and sync cord available to you anytime. Pricing on this is now $35 for one. There are still some two for five or $50 pledges left as well, so you can get them at $25 each if you buy two. As is normal, I am not the best salesperson on this, but if you would like to learn more for this case, the Acme Made Charge case, search for that over at kickstarter.com or in the show notes for episode 327 at todayinios.com. Thanks to Danielle Saul from the Google Plus community for the heads up on this next Kickstarter project, which is called the Pearl Compact Mirror and USB Rechargeable Battery Pack, which you guessed it, is a compact mirror with rechargeable battery pack. This one had a goal of $30,000. Not surprisingly, they have blasted past that and are well over 40000 and counting, kind of. We'll talk about that in a minute. If you want in on this one, you have until Wednesday, December 3rd at 2 a.m. Central Time to pledge, although that might be extended a little. They have a few different colors, red, silver, or gold. Pricing is $25 while they last, and that gets you a unit by Christmas. That's right. Yes, they said by Christmas. This is one I actually did fund. Hey, any chance I can get for a Christmas present for the wife, I'm all over it. And they are guaranteeing Christmas delivery for a few more units of each color. Uh, they're going fast. I went with silver. Shh, don't tell the wife. Uh, it's gonna. This is a tough one to read. I'll explain why this is a tough one at the end here. Uh, per the battery pack, it is a 3,000 milliamp hour battery pack. That is 
a very good battery pack that'll fully charge your iPhone, uh, any of your iPhones. And there is a light around the mirror, so it is actually a really nice compact as well. Given my wife is often running low on her charge, I can see this as something she will get a lot of use out of, assuming she reminds me she used it and it gets charged back up. Per those behind this Kickstarter project, they are also the same folks that did the iStick project that shipped earlier this year. Search for Pearl at kickstarter.com or in the show notes for episode 327 at todayinios.com. And now here's the part that throws all of this into kind of or chaos. Uh, as I mentioned, I funded this one. And then earlier today, I received the following email from the developers on this campaign. Quote, thank you for being a backer of our Kickstarter project, Pearl Compact Mirror and USB Rechargeable Battery Pack. We are, were just informed a few hours ago by Kickstarter's copyright division that an individual filed copyright infringement claim against our invention. The claim is baseless, false, and ridiculous. Unfortunately, Kickstarter rules require us to file our counterclaim, which we just did prior to sending this message. We are now working with Kickstarter copyright to resolve this matter as soon as possible within the next few days, if not next few hours, as we have reached our funding goal. We are still committed to producing the pearls and get them delivered to the early birds before Christmas and the rest sometime in January 2015, unquote. So if you did pl pledge on this one and it's prolonged, think of it maybe as a Valentine's Day gift. Uh, but hopefully they'll work this out as of right now at 1 a.m. Central Time on the 12th. If they're still showing... Um, they're still showing the compact mirror, USB rechargeable battery pack uh, is still a subject of intellectual property dispute and is currently unavailable. Uh, they have a link where you can actually go and see what the complaint was. And I went and looked at it. It didn't look like an overly legit complaint. There was no, what I would consider a normal uh, DMCA takedown notice. I'm kind of surprised based on the letter that came in to Kickstarter that they pulled a project based on that. That wouldn't have even been enough for me to pull down an MP3 file on Libsyn. Uh, it was definitely not a legit uh, DMCA takedown notice. Seems Microsoft is finally getting serious about their iOS apps for Office. They updated them to editing without an Office 365 subscription. You do still need a Microsoft account, but it can be a free account. Also, Excel, Word, and PowerPoint apps are now all universal, so they work on your iPhone and your iPads. Note that while the apps are free to use, there are quite a few features that will require an Office 365 paid subscription. This all said, you can also view and edit Excel, Word, and PowerPoint docs with numbers, pages, and keynote apps on your iOS devices already, and those apps are free as well. However, I would guess with PowerPoint, there are still issues when exporting from Keynote to PowerPoint. So if you are looking at needing a quick and review and maybe some minor edits to a PowerPoint, Excel, or Pages doc, these updates make that possible. And for that reason, if you are in the business world, you should at least download these apps to your iOS device to have them there ready to go if you ever do have to make a quick edit to a Word, Excel, or PowerPoint document. 
Hey Rob, it's Kevin Crossman from Fremont, California. I wanted to send in my review of a new iPhone 6 case. This is the Air Skin from Spigen, S-P-I-G-E-N, and they claim that this is the thinnest protective case ever made. The case is only 0.4 millimeters thick. Uh, just to give some perspective, that means if you put the case on, you still have a bump where the camera is. It's that thin. Obviously, this is not a heavy-duty case, but I mostly got it because I felt like the the, the, the caseless experience with the iPhone 6 was really hard to hold in my hand. It felt very slick, whereas having some sort of case gives a little bit more of a, of a feeling where you can hold and grip it a little bit better. Um, in my case, I got the um, sort of frosted air uh, skin. Uh, basically, it allows you to see through the Apple logo, um, but it, it's not completely transparent. It's like a little frosted thing. They have a couple different colors, including mint and a pink color, which are pretty cool if that's your deal. I really don't think this is going to be the case that's going to be your heavy-duty protection, but might be a good place to you know, stop the occasional light drop uh, from happening. And uh, it's pretty nice. You can still feel the buttons. It's very important to me. It's one of the things I didn't like about the Apple leather case was that the buttons were or cover it up, and I want to feel the buttons, and so there are cut-throughs for the volume buttons, the uh, sleep-wake, and the uh, the ringer switch. So, overall, Spigen Air Skin 4.7 is 25 bucks and uh, recommended. Kevin, thanks for that review. Folks, if you have a favorite case or product that's iOS-related, you want to review it on the show, please give us a call, 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOON-DOG, or send it in via email to todayinios at gmail.com. Into the email bag. Hi, Rob. Sam's Club is going to offer iPhone 6 and iPad Air with $100 off during a special sale event on November 15th. Regards, Michael. Well, thanks, Michael, for the heads up on that. I will either go over the Black Friday and Thanksgiving specials on the next episode or the one I do the week of Thanksgiving. But looks like Target and others are already leaking out their special deals for Black Friday and Thanksgiving. Again, more on that later in the month. Hello, Rob. I really enjoy your podcast. I bought the app a few years ago, worth the money. I have paid for apps in the past and regretted it, but I use your app all the time to listen to your show. I don't know if it's true, but I heard it is free now, but does not bother me at all because I've gotten plenty of use out of it and much information to keep up with uh, good work. I have a question for you, Rob. I have a jailbroken iPhone 5 running iOS 7.0.4. I have a lot of tweaks and apps I got from Cydia, and they still work just fine. The problem is I cannot find the Cydia icon anywhere. I've done spotlight search. I've even went page by page. Uh, cannot find it anywhere. I have a bunch of repos like Sinful, iPhone, and others. So I'm unable to download anything else from Cydia. As my as previously stated, everything I downloaded uh, previously still does work. The main reason I jailbroke uh, was to use my, my Y7 or to tether me so I am able to use my phone iPhone 5 as a hotspot for my iPad, and it still works. Do you have any suggestions on how I can get Cydia icon back on my iPhone 5? Regards, Christopher T. Christopher, probably the best thing to do at this point, upgrade to iOS 8.1 before 8.1.1 comes out, and then re-jailbreak, and that will get you your Cydia icon back. And from what I understand, the jailbreak app PDA Net, which works like MyY7, 
it'll allow you to tether from your iPhone. So PDA net, at least as what from what I've read, I haven't tried it. PDA net is working with iOS 8. And if anyone knows that not to be the case, please let me know. And I would recommend that you check the show notes uh, in the Google Plus community to see what other people have to say about that. So again, if anyone knows that PDA Net is not working with iOS 8, let me know. But I did read a couple places that I believe that it is working. Hi, Rob. I'm on iOS 7.1.1 and jailbroken, and I want to upgrade to 8.1 and jailbreak. Is it safe? Should I do it? What are your thoughts about this? Thanks, Alon from Israel. Hi, Alon. As I kind of just said, probably the, the it's best at this point to update to 8.1 and jailbreak, especially before Apple releases 8.1.1, which will probably break the Pango jailbreak. So again, if you are interested in jailbreaking, you want to jailbreak again, upgrade now to 8.1 while you still can, because at any moment, 8.1.1 could come out. My name is Rich. I'm from Albany, New York. Having an interesting problem with my phone, my iPad, and my Mac. Otherwise, everything is fine. <laughs> Ever since I've updated to iOS 8 on the two uh, mobile devices, every time I go to check my email, it keeps asking me for my iCloud account. And it, it doesn't ask for it every single time. I'll put my password in the first time, and then I can send some emails, blah, 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 and then it will sporadically come up again. And again, and again, and again. It happens on my iPhone, and it happens on my iPad. That particular problem happens once in a while on my Mac, but it's really the iOS device. I cannot figure it out. I've turned on the account, I've turned off the account, logged back in. I've turned off mail, tried it that way. Um, I use Gmail. It seems to be happening via Gmail. What I'm really wondering is, is there a possibility of setting up a separate and brand new iCloud account, what is the danger in doing that? And if I do that, can I migrate some of my purchases and other things from one account to the other? Or do I have to keep things separate? Do you think that would solve the problem, I guess, is my question. Thanks a lot. Hope I didn't take up your entire entry machine here, and uh, have a great day. Hey, Rob, Rich from Albany, New York. Again, I wanted to also add that when I Google this problem, I do notice a lot of people seem to have the same problem but I haven't seen Apple respond to it. So I'm hoping that uh, we can get some response to your show about this. I don't seem to be the only one. Thanks. Help! Rich, sorry to hear about your issues. I don't use iCloud for my emails, so I'm going to throw this out to the audience. If anyone out there does use iCloud for email, had this issue and solved it, or knows of someone that had this issue and solved it, and you know how they solved it, let us know. Give us a call, 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOON-DOG. Or send an email to todayinios at gmail.com. Again, if you are using iCloud with email, multiple devices, and you had an issue where, like Rich had, and you were able to figure out the solution, please let us know. Into the email bag. Hi, Rob. What do you think about the Pango 8 jailbreak? There have been some recent updates to it. It looks like the Byte SMS team is working on their app for it as well. I think that as soon as it's available for the Mac, I may wait a few days for any updates and then go ahead and go for it. Thoughts? I've always been a sucker for the aesthetic changes, themes, and whatnot available through Jailbreak. If anyone else wants to chime in, please do. Regards, Ryan L. Well, if you are someone looking to Jailbreak, good news. Pango now has both Mac and the Windows versions available to do the Jailbreak. 
some quick advice if you are on iOS 7.x and jailbroken and waiting to upgrade to iOS 8. Now is the time before Apple goes to 8.1.1, as I've mentioned a couple times. Upgrade now to 8.1, then re-jailbreak. If you are thinking of it and are at 8.1, when 8.1.1 comes out, don't upgrade to 8.1.1. When you finally do go to jailbreak, make sure your iPhone is in airplane mode and find my iPhone is turned off. And, well, of course, make sure you did a full backup beforehand and all your apps are forced quit before starting jailbreak. And don't be surprised if the app quits on you a few times and it takes a while. I tried doing the jailbreak tonight with my iPhone 4S before the show. Mistake. It seemed to lock up and then get stuck on step two of six. And, uh, well, the jailbreak never went quite well on it. The software, though, is pretty straightforward and you download it to the Mac or PC version, uh, open it up on your computer. If you're on a Mac, you may need to change your security settings to allow for opening an app that was downloaded from the internet and is not a trusted source. Go to System Preferences, select Security and Privacy, and then select the little lock symbol in the lower left on the general screen and change Allow Application Downloads to Anywhere. Once done uh, with the jailbreak, remember to change that back to your old setting. Then, again, once done, go to City App and download your favorite jailbreak apps and tweaks, like this recommendation. Hi, Rob. App Locker is back. It's a great to lock up individual apps, unlike the main password lock. Uh, turn that off and lock each app that needs locking. Lock whole folders too. Lock on the fly. Enter jiggle mode and touch the lock to lock and locks the app locker itself to prevent unwanted changes in settings. It's a great mod. Regards, Chris in London. Again, that's app locker, and that's a nice way to lock down individual apps, which is really nice if you're giving your kids your iOS device uh, to play with and you don't want them into certain apps. Thanks to Tash for the heads up on this next one, which is an article from TUAW about Apple Pay and how it is an accessibility tool. They had a good quote from Stephen Aquino, who has cerebral palsy, and he describes how Apple Pay makes it easier for him to pay for items at the store. Quote, More than security and convenience, Apple Pay has another huge advantage, accessibility. I've used Apple Pay twice now since iOS 8.1 shipped last week, and it's been very, every bit as easy and, dare I say, magical as Tim Cook hyped it to be at the September press event. But more than that, Apple Pay has the potential to be such an asset to the disabled. In my case, as someone with low vision and mild cerebral palsy, no longer do I have to fumble around with my wallet trying to find my credit card or struggle with swiping my card into the terminal. All I do is pull out my iPhone and put out of my pocket, rest my thumb on the home button, and I am done. No eye strain, no dexterity issues, nothing. Just tag and go, unquote. This is one thing we had not touched on previously about Apple Pay. Thanks again to Tash for the heads up on this one. Hey, Rob, this is Jim from Pennsylvania. Uh, I just wanted to let you know I just made my first Apple Pay purchase. I went out for some groceries at my local 
convenience store. It's not a national chain, it's just a local convenience store, and saw that they recently installed NFC readers. So I asked the clerk if they accepted Apple Pay. She didn't know what I was talking about, and then she said, oh, you mean where you hold your phone up to it? <laughs> and I said, yes. And she said, well, someone else did that once before. So I tried it. I held my phone up. Um, I have an iPhone 6 Plus, and the screen lit up. I put my thumb on the uh, fingerprint reader, and it immediately uh, looked at my fingerprint, showed that it was scanning my fingerprint on the screen, and then it said, complete, and that was it. So um, even though some of the national chains aren't accepting it, uh, my local convenience store did here in Pennsylvania and couldn't be happier. So flawless as far as using the Apple Pay, and I certainly hope that some of the national groups like Walmart and Wendy's and places like that, Best Buy, I hope they finally get on board. This is really an easy and seamless way to pay. It's no different than if you use your card, except it just makes it easier for the customers. Thanks, Rob. Just want to let you know uh, that I finally had my first Apple Pay purchase. Thanks for all you do. Bye. Hi, this is John from Portland. I listen to your discussion of currency, and I agree with you about the problems that the currency app has. However, I do know as a merchant why the currency app was originally created, uh, even though it has become a horrible beast, as you say. The motivation behind it was that, of course, anytime a credit card gets run by a merchant, approximately 2% or more of the transaction goes to the credit card companies and the banks. They take the percentage fee, that's the transaction fee. If a consumer buys a product that costs $100, then $2 of that goes to, say, Visa or MasterCard or Chase Bank or whoever else is involved in processing that transaction. If you're a merchant, uh, like I'm an e-commerce merchant, when we take a payment for a product, and we're a small business, so if we take a payment for a product that has a 12% a profit margin and then we've got to pay our employees and pay our bills, uh, at the end of the day, that 2% that the credit card companies take, that's kind of a lot. It adds up a lot. I mean, you're talking about, I think, the, I think that they make, you know, several hundred billion dollars a year or more uh, in these fees. The idea that these big companies like Walmart would try to create a system by which they can circumvent having to funnel hundreds of billions of dollars to the banks just for the service of letting them take their credit card, that kind of makes sense to me. Why wouldn't they do that? Of course, they am also creating that app in such a way that it's insecure and it's a hassle to use and everything else that's wrong with it. Well, that's not very forgivable. But I guess my question to you is, Apple Pay being directly tied to the existing credit card system, which still means that those transactions are funneling that 2% or more to the credit card companies, it makes me wonder, does Apple have the ability at some point to make Apple Pay start working without the bank so that you could essentially charge it up with money and it would just pay right out of some credit that's already in your Apple Pay account, whatever that is, so that there is no credit card fees involved. And then if you were doing so, merchants could then realize that you're somebody that won't have that fee involved and maybe give you a somewhat of a discount on something as a result of that. Or possibly Apple Pay could be used 
in conjunction with Bitcoin so that you're using Apple Pay as the interface, but the transaction that actually ends up happening would just involve using Bitcoin on the back end so that the merchant doesn't have any extra fees to pay. I'd be curious to know what your thoughts on this are. And thank you for the wonderful podcast. I started listening to it recently and it's making my long commute a whole lot better than it used to be. Thank you. John, thanks for the question, and I'm glad we can help with your commute. To your question, I don't think Apple has any plans to cut out the credit card companies. They seem to have gone full in with all the credit card companies and trying to bring as many banks and credit cards companies involved into this as possible. So I think Apple is relying on the credit card companies to be an integral part of this. Now, what Apple has done is make a deal with the credit card companies to get a percent off of their percent. So there's not an extra fee to the uh, merchants and there's no extra fee to the end users. And Apple came at this completely different than how Currency did. Apple came at it from the perspective of how do we make this better for the end user? Currency came out of this as how do we pad our bottom line? Into the email bag. Hi Rob, firstly, awesome work on the good versus evil title of the Apple Pay PDF. I won't go into details here, but the MCX implementation sounds like a really bad deal for customers, let alone customers who are having trouble scanning barcodes. Even though I don't have a device capable of it, I am firmly hoping that for Apple Pay uh, all the way. Uh, I called Apple when the battery replacement program for the iPhone 5 first came out, and the representative assured me that the battery would still be replaced even after the two-year purchase date of my iPhone had passed. I don't have an Apple store anywhere remotely close to school. And wow, we're in 2014. Don't feel comfortable without my phone for 10 business days as it would have taken uh, to do with a mail-in repair. I just went home and I took it last weekend and had it swapped with no trouble at all. Now my battery life is awesome. About a day and a half without Bluetooth on and I'm ready for the new continuity features. My customer service experience has always been great with Apple. Regards, Chelsea. Hey Rob, this is uh, Dave from uh, Landing, New Jersey. Gotta tell you, I was jumping up and down and applauding and getting all excited and goosebumpy as you read your last <clears throat> notes on your last TII program about this CVS and Rite Aid blocking Apple Pay. I already did exactly what you said, and I think it's awesome idea. It doesn't make any sense, as you've all pointed out, as you've pointed out, and I think it's great that you brought it to the attention of those that are listening, how to handle it. Great show, and I'm not just going to say keep up the good work. I want to say keep, keep up the only work that's awesome about our treasured devices, Nobody else does a podcast like you, man. It's awesome. Thanks so much. Talk to you later, and I'll keep listening. Dave, thanks for the kind words. To the email bag, and I paraphrase on this one. Hi, Rob. Did you just recommend people leave their stuff at the counter for an employee to have to put back? This will, at the very least, inconvenience workers and probably make them work late, etc. Well, thank you for that feedback, and very good point. Overtime, the bane of any company. I was just thinking about the missed sales opportunity, but overtime is so much more effective. Thanks for pointing out that extra benefit of leaving it at the counter.
Of course, some might think it's a little childish to leave it at the counter. But is it any more childish than turning off the NFC readers and saying, sorry, this is my toy and you cannot play with it? Just saying. Hi, Rob. This is Scott from Kentucky. And with all the mobile pay discussions going on lately, I've been wondering what you recommend for those of us who are not on the iPhone 6 or 6 Plus. I know there's a lot of us out there, so I'm wondering what your thoughts are. I have signed up with Loop Pay, even though I haven't had a chance to use it yet, because that seems like a good option, but I'm wondering if there's something better. Thank you, and have a good day. Keep up the good work. Scott, thanks for the voicemail message, and I'll throw that one out to the audience. If anyone has any suggestions for Scott, give us a call, 206-666-6364, that's 206-MOON-DOG, or send an email to todayinios at gmail.com. Hello, Rob. This is uh, Joe in New York. I just want to see if you can uh, speak out to the, the listeners. Home Depot appears to be on the uh, list of companies blocking Apple Pay uh, on November 4th at uh, 3.30 p.m., I attempted to use my iPhone 6 Plus at Home Depot, and it said declined twice. Everything went through, but it said declined. I don't see them on your Access of Evil list, and they're not listed as a supporter or someone not supporting uh, Apple Pay. So can you reach out to uh, the, the listeners to see if they can try it at other Home Depots around the United States? Thank you. Joe, Home Depot is not part of the MCX Access of Evil. Now, I have read in a couple different places that some Home Depot stores do support Apple Pay or just NFC payments in general. If anyone out there has actually used Apple Pay at a Home Depot store, let us know where you were when you did that. But that's the reason they're not listed in the Access of Evil because they're not part of the Access of Evil. This is more that... They're neither for it or against it. They're just actually in the midst of putting out their NFC payment system. Thanks again to lynda.com for their support of TII. And if you go to lynda.com slash TII, that's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash TII, you will get a free 10-day trial. Thanks, Linda, for sponsoring the show and for the free offer. And before we go today, I want to remind you to send in your feedback to the show, 206-666-6364, that's 206-MINDOG. Record your feedback and email it to the show at todayinios at gmail.com. Feedback can be a question or comment for something someone said on this episode, or it can be a question or rant you have about something else. An app, a product review, good or bad, as long as it is iOS related, it is welcomed. I am always looking for more artwork and music to feature on the show that you have created on an iOS device. If it's artwork, just put some TII branding on it and send it in. And uh, this is your show. Your feedback is greatly desired. Please send it in. And also, don't forget to check out our moderated Google Plus community by going to todayinios.com slash community. And finally, there is a new and updated TII app that is now free to you. Search for TII in the iTunes App Store or Hopefully, there's even a newer version. There was one that came out like oh, two weeks ago, and there should be one coming out this week. So uh, just search for TII in the App Store. It is the best way to consume the show and to get push notifications each time a new episode of TII is released. Please go right now and download the TII app. And that, folks, is going to do it for us today. Until the next time, I'm your host, Rob, from Today in iOS, reminding you to phone different. 
This show is hosted on Libsyn.com and part of the Wizard Media Network. If you are looking for hosting, go to Libsyn.com, that's L-I-B-S-Y-N.com, for hosting for your podcast and for creation of your own smartphone app. The Today in iOS podcast can also be found on the free Stitcher radio app. Just search for T-I-I.